Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey there, welcome to another episode. I am the real Jason Duncan, and I've got the one and the only Sean Kaplan as my guest on the show today. Sean is a great dude. He um, he and I met, as we're going to talk about on the show, how we met through a mastermind experience, and we are continuing our friendship through another mastermind experience that we're in right now together with the Ford Mastermind, which we're actually going to the, talk about this a little bit on the show, but let me tell you a little bit about who Sean is. He's the senior loan officer and branch manager at Cross Country Mortgage in Franklin, Tennessee. He resides in Nolansville, Tennessee, which is not too far from Franklin. He has two amazing daughters and a wife of, uh, I think he said 16 years. He, they've been married a long time. And over the last 20 plus years, he's dedicated his career to helping over 10,000 families achieve home ownership. And he's personally loaned out uh, well, not personally, but he's been involved in the loans of over a billion dollars in mortgage loans in his career. It's pretty amazing. He's uh, in the top 1% nationally ranked among mortgage lenders in Tennessee. He's a father, of course, and a husband, but he's also likes to be, do some coaching. And we're going to talk about at the end of the show that he does some free coaching. He's going to be offering you on content creation that you don't want to miss. So make sure you listen all the way to the end of the show. And uh, other things that he likes, he likes French Bulldogs, which we actually didn't talk about on the show, but I know he has. I've, I've met, uh, I've, I've seen one of his dogs before, cute little things. Uh, he loves traveling. He loves wildlife. And uh, we didn't talk about any other of the personal stuff because we really got so deep into what's going on in his business world. This guy's a very interesting dude. The mortgage industry is such an interesting, interesting thing that I didn't really understand. But uh, I want you to help me welcome the one and only Sean Kaplan to the root of all success. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show, my man. What is up, Jason? Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to see you, man. We've uh, we've been friends for a while now, and uh, I've kind of watched your success from my seat, and hopefully you've been watching mine from yours as well. And now we're finally doing this show, and uh, you're, you're on the other side of town. You're down in Franklin. I'm in Gallatin, north of Nashville, but we're both Nashville boys, been here a long time, so uh, what's uh, what's new for you, man? What's going on right now? What's the new stuff for Sean? You know, first, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here. I mean, it's like over all the years and the conversations we've had and the groups we've been in. And I mean, we intimately know each other. Well, we talked about doing this, but then we finally are making it happen. So we're going to bring the goods here today. Awesome. Um, you know, my life right now, it's, it's pretty busy. I got two girls. I got a 13-year-old and nine-year-old girl. So we're getting into that phase where, you know, they each have their own individual lives and just moved into our new farm in Nolensville. So, um, you know, there's always a little project around a new construction house. So that keeps me busy. And then, oh, yeah, that little mortgage thing. I run a mortgage company. I also own an insurance company. And, 
you know, with interest rates and housing markets, been a little bit of a wild ride lately. But that's my life. Well, you, well, you've. Uh, so we met actually through a, a mastermind group here in the, in the Nashville area, and I remember one of the first times we got together was, I think it was January 2020. We met at that. Uh, we we had a lake lake house on Center Hill Lake. We had a retreat, kind of a kickoff weekend for the mastermind, and I I walked in. The only person I knew. I knew Mike Dalkey, who's I've been a guest on my show, and Colin uh, Colin Brace, who was the leader. That was the only two people I met, and all these guys, you included, were all there. I'm like, I don't know who these dudes are. I don't know what's going on, but it turned out to be. Um, that, of course, that year was nutty, but it turned out to be a really good group of dudes, and we've developed a good friendship. And I think that's, I think that's really why people should join masterminds, if if nothing else, even if not to learn anything, it's just to expand their network of friends and. And people they could they could do that with. I mean, we're also in another mastermind together now, and on a completely different different thing. So, what's been your experience around masterminds and networking? Tell tell me a little bit about that. You know, I mean, the the, the one where we met, for example, what the, why that was so impactful is we were all going through adversity and change in our life that we had never been through before. I think without that group or what I call, you know, the herd of buffalo, you guys were my buffalo. Like we were able to call each other, talk to each other. How do you feel about this? What's going on? And on top of that, the entrepreneurial things that I got out of that group every time I was around y'all, I mean, I felt like I was taking notes all the time. Um, masterminds for me, uh, it's just how I was raised, actually. I grew up with a single uh, mom, and I would just always go to other men in my life and, and women, and I would say, hey, you're really good at cooking. Can you show me how to cook? You're really great at you know, planting a garden. Will you show me how to plant a garden? And that's how I learned everything. So later in life, when I met people in masterminds, I was like, oh, well, I've been here. I've been doing that. This is just being humble and saying I'm the dumbest guy in the room, right? Well, it's interesting that, you know, if you go back to Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich in 1937, he was the first person to coin that term mastermind. And the whole point was, listen, it's just two people, minimum of two using their minds together to master some subject, to master something, master some project. So whether it's planting a garden, running a mortgage company, you know, being a business coach, whatever it is, the mastermind, if operated correctly, can, can, uh, can really produce a lot of, a lot of fruit, a lot faster than we could do it on our own. Um, why did, uh, why did you decide at some point to go from the organic masterminds of your past and your childhood to paying money to be a part of it? Why, why did you feel like it was necessary to do that? I don't know if this is the right answer, but what comes to first to mind is that like I wanted to be successful so bad and I, I wanted to do whatever it took. And part of doing what it took was I knew that if somebody else, you know, had been successful, if they were had built a great business, if they had built wealth or got themselves out of debt, then they're probably were equipped to show me how to do that from life lessons. And so for me, it just seemed like it was the easiest path because I didn't want to go back to college. I didn't want to train more. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. So you could access mentors by just being humble and saying, could I buy you lunch once a month? And so I, I guess that's really kind of, you know, what my initial, you know, gut reaction is to that. Yeah. I, I, somebody told me a long time ago, it was like, if you can, if you can write the check to accelerate your goal, then you should write the check. Because sometimes, and that's what it takes, is writing the check, whether it's buying technology, hiring someone, or joining a, hiring a coach, or, hiring, or joining a mastermind, writing that check accelerates it. I mean, you're, you're part of, and I want to I give a plug for the Forward Mastermind with Neil, Neil Dingra leads that out of uh, 
he's out of Reno. He's in your, your industry, the mortgage industry. But, um, you know, I'm one of what two people in that mastermind who are not in the mortgage industry or real estate agents, but yeah, I, I wrote a check and you wrote a check and it, I mean, it's not a small check and we've, we've participated in that now for a couple of years and the growth that all of us have seen for those of you that do the work, because it's not just writing the check and showing up, you got to do the work. You've done the work. I mean, your social media game is on point. It, do you, do you think that that mastermind has got you where you're doing your, your, is that where you got all your chops for doing social media or is there a combination of other things? Um, combination of two things, you know, I did, you know, crappy social media for 12 years. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, if you go back, it, you and look, me both. <laughs> I would, you know, look, first I started out with crappy videos that nobody liked and nobody wanted to watch. Then I went to like well edited videos that nobody wanted to watch or like they were just too long and you know, they didn't really have bullet points. So, but I learned a lot through that. I learned how to post consistency of post. I went, you know, would follow lots of people that were successful at it, but I just couldn't put the pieces together. And I had a phone call one day with Neil out of the blue. And I was like, would you just help me? Like, I'm frustrated because I don't feel like I'm touching people's lives the way that I was meant to reach people. And I think I'm just doing something wrong. And that's when I got invited to the mastermind. And so forward, was definitely, that was a, a launching board because not just what you learn in the group, but when you get around Neil and you see how he's running his organization and you meet the videographers and you meet people that are part of what he's doing in his team, like he's got a really impressive team. So when I saw that, I was like, I, I can't do it all on my own. And that's when I started enlisting people. And now I have my own guy that, you know, creates my own brand and my own copyright. Yeah. Well, you're doing, you're doing a great job. I mean, when, when you and I met in 2020, um, you know, at first we weren't following each other on the social media. And then of course that, that became a thing to do. And you were doing cut the cap with, uh, cut the crap with cap. And you were doing the, the, the reports on, so on the real estate market. And it looks to me like now I don't see everything you post because Instagram doesn't show all that. But, but the things that I do see, like I watched one this morning, like you did a video that said how to improve your, uh, or increase your home's value by 10 grand for only a thousand dollars. And you talked about smart home technology. I mean, is that, did you make a, a, a an on purpose shift from doing those other things where you're showing your garage and you're working out and stuff to versus I'm only going to do industry stuff. Tell me, tell me about how you thought through that. Yeah. So look, when you start putting up content and you start growing and you learn things and you make mistakes and then you, you, you invest and you, you, you get better, like you, a tough decision. I don't know if you realize this, Jason, I'd be curious what your answer would be, but you reach a fork in the road where it's almost like you, it's like, all right, make a decision now. Do you want to be an influencer or do you want to be a value exchange? And so for me, value exchange is where I want to be because I want to first make a difference in other people's lives. So then I can say, hey, would you make a difference in my life? Like, I want to help people with home loans. And it just was more fulfilling for me. The social media influencer, no knock against it. It's just that's not where I make my income from. So that was it was a big shift for me that I said, I've got to start figuring out how I can provide people value. And value, I think right now people want it in bite-sized chunks. They want it visual. They want it in bullet points and most people want it in 60 seconds or 30 seconds or 15 seconds or less. So I had to find that format and our mastermind was one of the primary places that I learned that new format. Yeah. Well, Neil, Neil's done a great, I mean, we're, we're plugging him pretty good. He's, he's got a future guest on my show, but you can, you guys can find him at, at Neil home on Instagram, N E E L 
H-O-M-E. And of course, we're going to give you Sean's contact information at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned and you can follow both him and Neil. And if you're not already following me, you can follow us. And there's, there's very different, like my, so the stuff, the way my, I do myself looks very different than yours and yours, even though you're under the tutelage of and coaching of Neil, yours looks different than his. And I think all three have really good qualities and they're accomplishing the goal that we all, you know, we're trying to accomplish. What does, uh, what does your wife and, or your daughters, cause I know you have a very close family. You have a lovely wife, beautiful wife and beautiful girls. I can't believe your oldest daughter's 13. It, just it seems like the last time I saw them, they were just tiny little kids. Anyway, what do they think about your social media presence? Do they look at it? Do they ever look at it and say, daddy, this is dumb. Or why are you doing this? Or you're awesome. You're a rock star. Like, what, what do they think? So first, let me give a little context. You know, I was bullied growing up. I was the least popular kid. We were dirt poor. My dad, I, I didn't have a dad growing up. I only had my mom and my sister. So like I wasn't cool or good at anything. So when you get into social media world later and, you know, I think a lot of us feel the same, you, you know, you get a video, a bunch of people watch, you get that little feeling of like, oh, you know, I'm a local celebrity or something, right? It's probably like how <laughs> newscasters feel. And so I like it. It's fun, you know, but what's really funny is, so my daughters didn't really understand, you know, as I was growing really super fast, they didn't pick up on it a lot. But a couple of months ago, we were like, for example, we were at Target and somebody's like, Sean Kaplan. And I was like, hey, and he's like, love your videos. And he's talking to me like he knows me. And then he walks away and my oldest looks at me. She goes, you didn't even know who that was, did you? And I was like, no, ma'am. And so, but it's great. You know, it lets you know that what you're doing, people are finding some value in. And for that, I'll go ahead and take, you know, that as, as a feel good. Um, I don't want to puff myself up. I want people to say, hey, what you gave me helped out. But yeah, my kids think it's a little funny and they make fun of me sometimes. And, or my daughter, my 13 year old now wants me to share her stuff so she can get more likes. And I'm like, I'm not sharing your stuff. You got to be private. So things like that. <laughs> what about, what about Jennifer, your wife? What does she think about it? Um, you know, Jen, uh, she's not, she doesn't like the lime, you know, that's, what's beautiful, but yeah, so many beautiful things about my wife, but one of my, my favorite things about her, she's very philosophical. Um, you know, she, she's very spiritual. Um, and she doesn't like to be like front and center but she has a great discernment and uh, you know, I'll get my, you know, she'll give me her thoughts on things sometimes. And sometimes it'll be a little controversial and I'll be like, well, that's why I got the followers and you don't. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, she doesn't like for me, like, Hey, here's a camera and put it in her face. But I like most of the ladies out there. And I also take really terrible photos. So she says, I'm not allowed to take any more photos. <laughs> you know, my wife, my wife's very similar in the fact that like anytime I have my phone out and I take a picture, like there's three words that she says every single time, the same three words that millions of wives all over the world say when their husbands take their pictures out, don't post that. Yeah. <laughs> don't post that. Every time I take a picture, don't post that. Every time I take a video, don't post that. She just doesn't want me to post them. Like, yeah, babe, but like showing my personal life, what's going on. People, people are interested, whether they should be or not is a whole nother thing. But well, I let, me ask call. You, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add to it. I got a call from my mom one day and uh -oh. it was like ring, ring, ring. My mom calls me and basically a conversation went, you know, to the point that it was like, Hey, could you do me a favor? Like, could we kind of not talk so much about like things about when you were growing up? Because it's in a lot of my content, my stories. 
And uh, I was like, well, why? And she's like, you know, I just don't need everybody to know that I was, you know, not always the best mom out there. I was like, mom, we're learning lessons here. Like you're blessing other people out there now. And she goes, okay, all right. Well, it's, isn't it funny though? And I think I, I want, I want to talk about this for a second because I don't know your mom. I never met your mom, but you've talked a lot about her and you've never said anything negative from my perspective as a, as a listener, I've never heard you say anything negative about this. Somebody listening to your stuff. So, so mom, Sean's mom, <laughs> I've never heard him say a bad word about you ever. Uh, I can understand, I can understand that you might <clears throat> have a different perspective because you're listening through different ears and a different lens than everybody else. But I will say that to your mom, <clears throat> That's but awesome. isn't it an interesting, isn't it an interesting perspective, Sean, that we think that people think stuff about us on social media that's 99% of the time is just not true. Like we think people think stuff that is just not true. What do you think about that? I mean, just a couple of initial thoughts. You know, one thing that was a big pivot shift for me was, you know, when uh, a coach that I, I look up to, you know, told me, he said, Hey, there's, you know, seven, 8 billion people on the planet. You're seriously going to run around trying to make them all happy. Like you will not win that battle. But he took it a step further because he knew my background with my father and my father took his own life. But he said, you know, there's seven to eight billion people that you're going to try to end up making happy and it's not going to happen. It's impossible. And if you keep doing it, you're going to end up like your father. And that was a big, big pivot shift, Jason. That was the first one. Right. Um, the other thing is later now, recently, I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, let's not think so big of ourselves." that we think people are running around wondering what Sean Kaplan posted today on his Instagram social media page. If I'm lucky, they probably saw me about three to seven seconds and then they probably scrolled right past me, right? So for me to worry about what other people are thinking, I'm giving or taking something away from them that I don't have permission to do because I don't know if that's the truth. And in my brain, I'd rather think good things about people than negative things. So for there, therefore, I post stuff. I don't give it a lot of thought. I don't worry who sees it. I don't worry what people th think. It's where you have to be to grow. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to that point of realization and not only realizing it and deciding I'm not going to worry about it to actually not worry about it? How long did that process take you? Pro probably about 42 years. Um, <laughs> you know, something happens in your 40s. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just you start reevaluating things and things that used to be important to you just are not important to you as much. And it really allows you to come into your sage and, and, your, and, and use your wisdom and reach people. Because before that, that roadblock of what other people think is keeping you from being able to share with others things that are probably unconsciously going to liberate them. But you're holding it back because you're worried what, what they're going to think. And so, like, for example, a long time, I wouldn't tell people I didn't have a dad or what happened to my dad. Well, now I tell people that story because I understand that through those trials and adversity, somebody else is going to bond with me when they watch that, hear that, or talk to me about that because they're going to say, that happened to me. And it's the only way that we can get those stories out and, and make that connection with people. So, yeah, I would just say, Jason, a couple of years ago probably is really when it broke, probably three, four years ago. But when you start seeing the positive results out of it, it encourages you to do it a lot more and you forget about it. Well, you had, um, so you said you've been doing awful social media videos and I agreed that I've been doing the same thing for a long time. <laughs> oh, you time. agreed mine were awful. So I didn't agree yours were awful. I agree that I've been doing the same thing. Know. I realized as soon as I said that, that didn't sound right. <laughs> but, but, but like we, we both were doing awful for a long time. And then we both, I think, made mental shifts in how we were, are showing up online. 
but you you made that that comment. I think this is really really important for the listeners. Is that there's going to be a point in time that you're going to have to make the mental shift, Sean, that you just made, which is I don't give up, you know, blank whatever you want to say about what people think. My point and my goal in posting this video or this clip or whatever I'm posting is to produce value. And I loved how you said it. You said. I stopped trying to be an influencer and I want to be a value exchanger. And I think that is the shift. You know, you think about an older person, somebody in their eighties or nineties, you see them and they'll say whatever's on their mind. They don't care. They've earned the right to say it. They don't matter. It doesn't matter. They'll wear blue blockers and they'll wear it tucked in, tucked in t-shirt and, and socks and sandals. Cause they don't care. It's about comfort. And I think mentally as a social a people on social media, we got to make that same decision. It's like, we go from, I don't care what you think. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you value. How you take it is up to you. Yeah, we have to be my Uncle Bob. I remember sitting, looking to meet my Uncle Bob, you know, old Jewish man and, you know, 90 years old. And he had his polyester shirt on, his polyester pants, you know, looked like his loafers, had on those half tinted sunglasses and slicks his hair straight back. And I remember just looking at him and I was like, he don't care. He's in comfort. <laughs> this is that old world Jewish Italian. Like, I don't care. This is who I am. And I think we've lost some of that. And around social media, Jason, if you don't mind, I just want to share a quick story. I think that really broke loose. Um, this was probably four or five years ago. And this is where I really said, I, I want to grow through this. Um, I got an email from somebody that said, Hey, this, you know, is probably a year overdue. I should have sent this a year ago, but I wanted to let you know, you said it, you put a video up one day, probably one of those ones I thought was crappy. And he said, it talked about making choices to live your best life. Um, making choices to do things that other people won't do now so you can live different later. Um, and he goes, after watching that video, we sat down as a family and we had a discussion and we voted that we were going to sell everything and buy an RV. And so I'm happy to say for 14 months, we've been traveling across the United States in our RV. And you were the one that was the catalyst that helped us with that. And I sat there and I think I read that email like three times and it just completely shifted everything where it said the words that come out of your mouth and the words you choose to share with other people make a difference. It may only be one person and you may never know, or you might find out 14 months later when someone says, thank you. That's what it's about. I think, I think one of the, one of the <laughs> blessing that we're all going to get in heaven one day when we, when we get there and I could be wrong about this, but I think one of the blessings is that, some somebody up there is going to walk us through our life and go, Hey, look at the, see that person over there. Yeah. Let me go take you to them. Let me show you what, what influence you had on that person. And you didn't even know it. And I, I call it the George Bailey uh, effect. So if you're familiar with the movie, uh, 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 it's a wonderful life. It's a Christmas movie. And yeah, I love yeah. it. It's, it's my favorite movie. You, you've seen this. Have you seen yeah, the movie? I have, I have. About? So, so the whole movie for those that haven't heard it or seen it is the whole movie is about this guy, George Bailey, who gets a gift by, a, a, an angel getting to show him what life would have been like in his town if he had never been born and everything changed, like everything changed. And I think that all of us have that same, that George Bailey effect is that what we're doing on social media, what we say in, in, in public, what we do on podcasts, just like what we're doing today, we're influencing people and, and we don't even know who it is. And I think it'll be a blessing that father gets to walk us around in heaven and say, Come here, I want to show you Bob. I want to show you what you did to Bob. You don't even know Bob. Like, I don't even know who this person is. I think that's going to yeah. be cool. That's, that, that is a cool story. And I think it will be cool because I believe that the same thing as you do, Jason. So let's talk about success. Uh, the, the, after all, the name of this show is The Root of All Success. 
And you've experienced uh, tremendous success in a lot of different areas of life. And success, of course, is defined by different people in different ways. So I want to ask you first, before we get into this conversation about success, how does Sean Kaplan, how does he define that word success? Sacrifice, commitment that turns into blessings and how we choose to see it. I, what I mean by this is, you know, the greatest blessing is that my wife decided to, you know, stay married to me for, you know, 16 years. Um, that's a very tough thing in today's world right now. And it's certainly with somebody like me and especially 10x to somebody in the mortgage and real estate space um, or sales. And so that that is success is when I see somebody say, hey, they had every reason not to do it. They had every reason not to love that person. They had every reason to quit that business and they did it. I think that's success. Um, the thing that I really, really admire about you, Jason, is you know one of your your main purpose that I always get from you is to try to help people understand that it's not all about working our, our lives away, but it's also not about not being successful. It's about being successful while you can have time and margin in your life to spend it with those ones that you love the most and see the world and make a difference. And that's success to me too, when you can still make money and, and choose not to go to work for the day. And I'm not there yet. So thank you for saying I'm successful, but I don't feel that way because I'm, I'm still growing and I don't ever kind of rest in that. Well, I, I, I would, uh, I'm going to appreciate your, your, uh, humble perspective of yourself. Cause I know that other people like me and people who are listening to the show that know you could say, well, we appreciate your humility, Sean, but we do seek success in you. And if you go by your definition, which I wrote down sacrifice and commitment that turns into blessings, which I think is a really very cool turn of a phrase. So good, good on you. That's awesome. And I've asked 154 people that cause you're the 154th guest on my show. So this is, that's pretty cool to get something completely new, but by that definition of sacrifice commitment that turns into blessings, I think you're successful just by that definition. Like I can look at that definition and go, yeah. Um, and then on the money, still make money without working. You, you self, you, you said to yourself, hey, I haven't, haven't done that yet, but you have experienced a lot of financial success as well. I mean, I, I got to drive your really nice Audi R8 one time and it was awesome. I know, I think, I think you sold it, but you've got a, a very amazing RV that you, you travel in, you lived in for a while while you're getting your house ready. You got a brand new home and, uh, you know, you're living, you're living a great successful life from the outside looking in, but then also by your definition of sacrifice and commitment that turns into blessings. I think that's, I think you're doing it, man. So congratulations on your success. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I, it's not mine. I'm just being a good steward of it, but it's definitely accumulation of all those years of wearing the Goodwill suits, you know, all those years of, of going to Smitty's to get used tires because my tire was going to blow out before I had to drive to Nashville to try to close a loan there. Um, I would go to coffee shops to meet with realtors and I would get there five minutes early and get a coffee cup and put hot water in it with a lid because I only had like three bucks in my pocket and I could only buy the realtor a cup of coffee. And all those years of things like that, and I got hundreds and hundreds of those stories I could put in a book. And then finally, it's just like the slight edge effect. It's like something just happens one day and it breaks loose. And you look in the mirror and you see a little kind of like, you know, that muscle a little bit. Or you lost a little bit of that, you know, weight that you've been working hard on. And that's when you double down and you don't stop. You just keep working and building on top of that. And you never really, the reason why I say I'm not successful is because I just don't want to be like, 
oh, I arrived. I never want to be have, have arrived. I want to always be working on my life. But yeah, it's been a blessing. It's been been great well, and it's fun. That's a good perspective. And I think for everybody as entrepreneurs, our goals are always going to grow. You know, so if we set a goal, hey, I want to I want to make a million dollars a year in personal income. Well, when you arrive at that number, that doesn't mean you quit. That doesn't you don't sit on it. You now say, well, I want to make two million. I want to make five million. I want to make 10 million. Or if you have a fine, if you have a health goal, hey, I want to I want to get down. I want to drop 30 pounds. You don't just stop at 30 pounds. You you might not drop any more weight, but you continue that health consciousness to be there. And I, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. We haven't arrived. Um, we, we all got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, you're in an interesting industry that I've learned a lot about after being a part of the mastermind, uh, Ford mastermind. Um, this mortgage industry is a weird industry to me, not from the consumer side, but as a business person, as an entrepreneur looking at the industry. I, I remember in 1996, I think it was 1996, my wife and I had just, we got married in 95. And one of the deacons at our church was the head of a mortgage company. And he offered me, because I was part-time youth minister at the church, and he offered me the job. He said, I'll show you how to do mortgages. And I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> and I'm thinking now, man, had I, had I taken that, my life would have gone a completely different direction. But here's why, and I'm going to give you the chance to talk about this. So, But I, I want to set this up. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B. BB. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast, but they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, you need around video and sales and automation Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. I love talking about this sponsor because it's oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or have sponsors and they either don't use them or they might've used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. <laughs> and, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is Story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Two Y's, why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos, 
that get responses, that people go, ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what Story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer. And they will post it for you. They'll write the captions. They'll add the relevant hashtags. They put it on the platforms that you care about the most. And after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts, to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes a headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. And I've been using them for a long time. And I told them, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Ys? Because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. You are the first mortgage person that I ever met that was as financially successful as you are. And I, you can quantify that if you want to. I don't want to put numbers in your mouth. But but like I know you're living well. You're doing really, really well. You, I, you've shared things and, 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 and there's indicators, right? I didn't know that was possible. I had no idea that that was possible in the mortgage. But I had no concept. And then to set it up even further, I was recording a podcast in Vegas as a guest. And then Neil shows up to talk to the to the host of the show, Brad Lee. I was on Brad's show. Neil shows up. I never met Neil before in my life. Didn't know what he did. And he starts telling me, oh, yeah, I'm in the mortgage business. And, and based on his indicators in the conversation, I'm like, do you know Sean Kaplan? He's like, oh, yeah, I know Sean. And then, so so what, what is it about that industry where so many, so few people hit the yeah. levels that people like you and Neil are hitting and so many people just stay way below the line? Number one, my definition of success. People quit too early. They, it, they, don't, they don't make it the first couple of years. It took me five years of eating rice and beans before I really made any money. And people just don't make it through that, number one. Number two, people in general are bad communicators and bad relationship builders. If you ask people what a relationship looks to them, like to them, you'll get all these crazy answers. No, a relationship is like you have their phone numbers in your phone. You probably know their kids' names. You know their birthdays. You probably hang out, you know, once in a while. And so that, those three things, I know that's a broad answer, but like people are focused on the product and the business and the money part of it. And what they don't do is they don't build and say, I'm going to build a, a, the business the right way through key individuals that trust me, that know me, that are also successful. They're going to send people to me. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to show people I care and I'm going to be on time. And, um, so yeah, that's a big, big struggle for a lot of people in our business. The second secret to sauce, uh, se second secret is um, mentorship and coaching because through that you'll learn how to build teams and leverage. And a lot of people don't know how to build teams like I have, and and get the leverage. That'd be the second one. Well, and we we started our conversation today talking about mentorship through mastermind. So I think it's it's fitting that you say one of the 
keys to your success, the root of your success would be one of those roots is, is mentorship and masterminding and coaching. Why did you get into this business to begin with? What, what, what attracted you to get involved? Because evidently whatever you saw, I was completely oblivious to. <laughs> so I know you, you were probably a little bit more centered. You were married. Like, so I was working in the restaurant industry and living a very tumultuous life, probably doing everything I'm not supposed to do. Um, and I, uh, thought I, I had gotten my college degree from MTSU in environmental science. I had gone to Tennessee Tech for basic engineering, and I had made a decision. I was like, you just screwed up. You, you don't want to do either one of these. So I had told Miss Demas that I was going to get into real estate, and she said, let me introduce you to somebody. And I met somebody. Um, he was in mortgages. He became a great mentor, loving guy, uh, my first real mentor in my life. And uh, the honest truth, Jason, because you were so grounded, I was at a different place in my life. It was all about the money. Like I would meet these guys and I'd be like, if that guy can make that much money or that girl can drive that car, I know I can do this. I'd see the watches and the suits and I'm like, this is crazy. I was like you and I saw a first paycheck that was similar to what a real estate agent makes when they sell a house. I was like, that's all you have to do. And then you make that. I was all in. I doubled down everything I could do. <laughs> What year did you get in the industry? 2001, right before September 11th. Great time to get in. You know, the most successful, some of the traits that I see is they got in at a really terrible time. Um, my biggest friends, guys that are five times bigger than me, like they all got in at bad times, but it was 2001. Wow. So 01 and we're in 2023. So you got a 20 plus year career in mortgages and you've, you've, um, you know, the mortgage industry you know, in the sense of being an entrepreneur, because I, I interview mostly entrepreneurs on here and entrepreneurs take risks and they, they, they invent or innovate things and they usually have their own deal, but that's not, that's not a hundred percent the truth. I mean, that you can be an entrepreneur and not own your own business. What, what do you see yourself as? I think what, how do you classify yourself in, in the world of entrepreneurship? How do you classify yourself? I try to keep, I try not to overcomplicate it because if I do, then people won't get my message. The whole thing with my, my social media, if you watch my videos, it's simple, it's concise. I'm in sales. I'm a professional salesman. I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm a professional salesman who happens to sell mortgage loans. I'm also now a professional salesman who's putting out value content to people and building an audience. Um, I'm a professional salesman who's starting to learn how to be a professional speaker from guys like you and, and, and other friends in my life. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm in sales. That's how I classify myself. When people ask, I don't tell them I'm in mortgages because then they run away. I tell them, I'm like, Oh, I've been in sales for 22 years. That's interesting. Well, and it's true. Like it's interesting and true, but it's, it is a different perspective than just saying I'm in mortgages. Cause you know, I, I've got, I got a neighbor, uh, who lives close to me who's in the mortgage business and you know, he's living a completely different life than you're living. And so he's living what I consider the normal. He's probably telling everybody he's a mortgage guy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a different perspective. He's got a different mindset. Speaking I just got, mindset, so, I, I just got so sorry, but I, I got so tired through my career of being marginalized. And I think, uh, I mean, the stats tell you lawyer, car salesman, realtor, and mortgage lender are all like right at the top of the sleaziest people that folks uh, in surveys out there. So like I would, I had to have a genuine conversation with someone and like when that mortgage word came out of my mouth, they would just shut down. 
and I got tired of being marginalized by that. So I'd find creative ways. I'd be like, oh, I sell money or I make the dream come true and it didn't feel authentic. And so now I just tell people, hey, I'm in sales. I'm an ordinary guy. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I want to I want to piggyback off of that comment. So real estate and mortgage are the two the two focuses that this forward mastermind that you and I are both a part of. Um, and you just mentioned that both of those are in the top of the top of the top of the sleaziest positions or sleaziest uh, professions, I guess, out there. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, what what do you have a as you as a two decade person in that industry or one of those industries? Why is that? I mean, I tell my real estate agents and my clients that there's three main reasons, and that's why we have a guarantee and we fix the problem. One is communication. People are terrible communicators. You get a mortgage loan, you only hear from them when something bad happens or when they want something. People don't like that. They want to hear from you on a regular basis and know what's going on. The second one is bait and switch numbers. So, you know, too many people have been screwed. They're told something and they don't give it. We give a guarantee in writing, cash guarantee. So if we mess up, we pay the difference. Um, you know, and I would probably say the other one would be missed closing dates. I mean, it's extremely stressful when you rely on someone to hit a closing date and you got everything in a moving truck, especially if you've got kids or coming across the country and these mortgage owners just don't treat closing dates like they're written in stone. They treat them like they're optional and that will kill your reputation. Yeah. Well, I can speak from experience that all of those things you just mentioned have happened to me as a, uh, as a person who has, you know, has bought mortgages before. Um, and it is extremely frustrating. And when you do find somebody who delivers, you, you kind of keep them in your back pocket. Cause you're like, Hey, this is the bar is set so low. You really don't have to perform at a high level to, to make people impressed. <laughs> there you go. All right. When I came out of engineering gotta... school and I grew up on a dairy farm with systems and processes, that's when I got into business and I was like, Hey, these guys are idiots and making millions of dollars. I said, I just have to generate, create systems and processes around my experience. And I had a doctor who was really famous, very well known, and he had scaled. Well, you would go in to see Dr. Mark, but you'd only see Dr. Mark for two or three minutes. His nurses would come in. One would take care of you, smiling, joking with you. Another one would come in and take your vitals. There was somebody to take care of you. It felt like going to the Ritz Carlton. I was like, that's how I want to build my business. So I created systems and processes around that. Yes just one degree above calling somebody a second time back or returning all your voicemails, you will be like a superstar in the mortgage industry. Well, I heard a stat. I, I think it was maybe Seth Godin who said this. I don't know. I'm probably misquoting it, but he said the number one uh, reason why someone chooses a realtor is that they're the realtor who called the person back. Yes, correct. You think about that. that like that's the choice you made. You, cho you chose a realtor because they called you back. That, that's just insane. Jason, I have, six, I have 674 realtors that have raised their hand and said, I want to learn more social media content. The invite goes out. When, they, when the call actually happens, about 50 show up, which is pretty good, 50 to 75 for me. But that shows you the percentages of people that just say, oh, yeah, I want to be a realtor, but I'm not going to do the work. They can't even show up to a Zoom call. And it, lenders, too, like in all defense, it's lenders and realtors. But... Yeah. Just return what, the phone call. So, so if you could put, if you could put your prognosticator hat on for a minute and you had, you're looking into the future a little bit right now is a weird time. You know, our government's doing some stupid stuff and you know, people are doing dumb things. Banks are doing dumb things, but, but if you had to look into the future, like what do you see in the mortgage business that's actually going to make a difference 
for all of us as consumers? Because I know you're on that side of the table and I'm not, but if you had to look as a two decade guy in this business, what's going to change in the mortgage and or real estate business that's going to make a difference? A lot of people are going to always go to innovation because that's the easy, simple, and weak way to give an answer. Oh, we're going to innovate. We're going to use more product, more technology, more AI. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. No, it's not. Where we're going to grow and where we're going to get better is we're going to make sure that we're lending more responsibly, but more common sense. And that's why I moved to this company after 12 years of being with another company, which was great. I moved to this company because they are the number one forefront leader as far as creative financing. And so that's what's going to change the future. If the country really wants to change, I am dead set on it. I think you could probably feel my confidence around this is you've got to stop telling self-employed people, oh, sorry, you took advantage of the tax laws, but we can't give you a mortgage loan. What do you mean? Like they've had a business for 10 years just because they had write-offs and I can't use that income. We're blocked from using that right now. That's got to change. Well, I always, as, as a business owner myself, here, here's the conundrum, the paradox that I don't understand is that I can own the business and I can employ 30 people, which is like right now, I've got about 30, 30 some odd employees in one of my companies. I can employ 30 people, but I could not as the owner go get a mortgage based on just my quote income because I make negative money on paper, right? Let's just right. be fair. That's the way it is. So I can't get a loan. But my secretary or one of my electricians that's getting a salary from me can go get a loan. No problem. Now, tell me what the hell sense that makes. I don't understand that. So who's making those decisions? So here's a here's one we run into all the time we, we, with all entrepreneurs. And many of your listeners probably have experienced this is they'll go and get try to get a traditional mortgage loan. And they'll say, we'll have to prove uh, probability of continued uh, uh, income. Well, a lot of our businesses are up, down, and oh, by the way, we just had an epidemic worldwide, right? And they'll be like, sorry, can't use that income, can't qualify. But they'll go ahead and employ the person at Nissan who could get laid off with 10,000 people tomorrow, right? And so it's Chip, Dodd, and, and Barney Franks back in 2010 and 2011. So if you really, really want to know what the root of all of this problem is, you go back 12, 13 years when Chip, Dodd, and Barney Franks passed the Dodd-Frank Act, which said, you know what, we're politicians, we know better than lenders, and we're going to just put up these vanilla guidelines. And they haven't hardly changed in 13 years, believe it or not. Well, the Dodd-Frank Act is scary. Most people don't know what's in there, man. I didn't know, you, know, you just you just taught me something. I didn't know that the reason that my, my employees can get a loan, but I can't, I didn't know that was in the Dodd-Frank Act, but the Dodd-Frank Act has a lot of scary stuff in it, like the bailout. Like we just saw SVP Bank, you know, uh, collapse not too long ago. Th there are no more bailouts. It's bail-ins. And people don't understand that. When you deposit money into a bank right now, if you take $100,000, go down to the local bank, deposit it, uh, forget FDIC. They don't have the money to cover it. But, but let's assume for a minute they have the two hundred grand. If that bank goes under, here's what the Dodd-Frank Act says, is they're not going to, government's not going to bail them out. The Dodd-Frank Act says that hundred grand that you put in the bank just bought you $100,000 worth of stock in the failed bank. So they don't oh. owe you anything. All they owe you is the stock in the bank if they fail. So instead of giving you your hundred grand when the bank doesn't, doesn't work, they're going to say, you know what? Here's an IOU 
for the and and you're just going to use the the stock in the bank. That's it. So that I, I'm I'm anti banks generally speaking. I, obviously, there's a there's an exception to everything. I have good bankers. I use Pinnacle here in Nashville. They're fantastic. But but generally speaking, Me too. But 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 banks or excuse me, the Dodd-Frank Act. I didn't know, Sean, I, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that was the reason behind it. I, I, are, do you see, and I mean, this is a, this is a personal, uh, like I'm asking this for personal reasons. Do you see a rise in entrepreneur owners putting themselves on W2 salaries just to be able to do stuff like this? Do you, have you noticed a change in that over the years? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the reason why this probably be one of the best business part for all of your listeners out there is this part right here to just understand why. Okay. First of all, go ahead and look, by the way, who's on Silicon Valley's bank board. Guess who it was? That's correct. Barney Franks. He was on the SVP bank board. So if you, if you think about that and don't be a conspiracy theorist, just track it backwards. Why would he have came and been on that bank board? Well, he created the legislation. So he knew all the loopholes, right? So, to answer your question, like, and take that all the way back for your listeners, I believe that they created that rule and said, look, two years tax returns, we have to see the last two years, and that's what the mortgage lenders are going to have to use as income on what they claim taxes on. Well, that puts you three years out from getting a mortgage loan because you have one year of a business, second year of a business, then file your taxes. And we all know you don't even make money in the first year or two, most cases, or will you claim it? So it puts you out even further than that. So that's why you have entrepreneurs that are being pushed out from participating in the real estate game. So they either find a loophole and become a real estate investor or something like that, or like you said, a massive increase in people claiming more on their tax returns, 1099s or putting himself in a W-2. And I think that was part of Barney Frank and Chip Dodd's agenda, which is people are using income on applications to buy houses, but we're missing out on the tax dollars. This is a good way to force more tax payments, claiming more income, thus creating more revenue for the government. That's it. That's all follows the money, man. You go right back to the money. If they did you know that? Way to taxes. That's, I did not know he was on the, on the board there. I had no idea. But did you did you have any idea like that's why they created that bill was to force people to pay more in taxes? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that is that is what it all all boils down to. And if you go back to I talked about this with some other guests on my show, when we get into financial conversations that the school systems are designed today to to create employees, employees pay the highest tax. So school systems are, are creating employees, employees pay the highest taxes, entrepreneurs like me, business owners pay very little to no taxes in terms of income, income tax. We pay all the other taxes. Everybody's got to pay the other taxes, but, but on income taxes, we pay very little, but schools aren't creating entrepreneurs. They're creating employees. So it's just, it's a, it's See, a, I'm on the opposite. Game. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't feel comfortable giving all my uh, personal details. I'm open, but I will tell you, just do the math. I paid $586,000 in taxes last year. And that's because I work for a, uh, a bank and now I work for a national fortune 500 company, which I'm W2. So I'm backed into ordinary income. The only uh, loophole I have is to become a real estate investor, 750 hours, own Airbnbs, take cost segregation, which I'm building. But man, if I would have known what you just talked about, Jason, coming out of school or college and been like, Hey, you got to have a structured plan to also have tax benefit. Like Robert Kiyosaki talks about my life would have been completely different. I would have been retired by now. Yeah. Well, it is uh it is a weird matrix that we live in, isn't it? But uh but in spite of that, 
you've been yeah. very successful and uh, you've done some pretty cool stuff. Now, uh, let's promote Cross Country Mortgage for a minute because I, I actually, until until you booked yourself or we got you booked on this show, I didn't know you'd moved from the old company to the new company. I just somehow missed that. But uh, so tell us a little bit about Cross Country Mortgage. So that was actually playing because I see a lot of people in the real estate and lending space that they, when they move companies, they make this big, huge splash about it. And I've learned over the years, that's not actually good. People don't like change. They, they come to their own conclusion and they frame mentally like why maybe you changed if you didn't get a chance to explain to them or they just think it's another sales technique. So nobody really cares. So I changed companies kind of seamlessly without making a big splash. Um, but I went to Cross Country Mortgage because they're currently the number three lender in the nation. So if you haven't heard of them, you will hear about them. Um, it's Cross Country Mortgage, not Countrywide Mortgage like what everyone heard back in the day. Um, but we, uh, we did about 55 billion in loans last year. Um, I went from a $1 billion company to a $55 billion company. But the biggest thing that I like about cross country is it's owned and operated by somebody who sold loans. It's a single individual. I know his character. I know how hard of a worker he is. And I see the team he's built at this company and the technology stack that he's implemented and there is no comparison. So it's been a great, great fit for me. I love working here. But the best part, Jason, is they're super creative around finance. And they literally went and bought a non-QM mortgage lender, a portfolio lender called Angel Oak, just so we could be the number one creative financing lender in the nation. And so that's what I'm excited about because I get to help more people. So answer me this. This is a technical question. So <clears throat> where does the money come from? So I go to you and I say, hey, I want to buy this $2 million house. Um, is cross country, do they have $2 million sitting in cash that they give to somebody and then sell that loans later and get the two recoup it? Where does the money come from? Yeah, I mean, all banks are different, but as you get bigger, like cross country, you get your own warehouse lines of credit. So you've got your own money, you're lending it. Or sometimes if you get wealthy enough, you take your income and your earnings and you create your own warehouse line of credit. But most of them are putting them on their warehouse line of credit, going ahead and funding the loan. And then what we do is we service a lot of our loans. So we just send you out the payments because we want to collect the interest. Now, majority of the industry, and we do this with some of our loans, we will go ahead and take that money and we will package it up and ask somebody else if they want to sell it. And we convert it into mortgage-backed securities or bonds. Um, another source, and you have to be bigger to get this, but like, don't quote me, but I think we have about 500 uh, a million right now that's available from Fannie Mae. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac lend money. The federal government has bonds, and then they were buying them back, and then I don't know where they sell them, but they go all over. <laughs> Servicing is where most people get confused because they think, oh, that's who I get my statement from. No, no, that's just the company that's the facilitator pass-through that's sending you your statement in most cases. The money's already been sold off somewhere else. They just bought the servicing so they could keep their name in front of you and ask you to get checking, savings, all the other stuff. Well, so what is the, uh, what's the best piece of business advice that anybody's ever given you? And I'll give you a moment to think, so I'm going to talk a little bit longer to give you a, th a minute to think about it. But think about all the years you've been doing business. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? So first is my mom. Um, I've got this one everywhere. Diligence and consistency will always outpace talent. I would come home beat up. I'd come home not making the team. I'd come just everything. It was, it was awful. I was terrorized. And she'd be like, Sean, you don't have to be the smartest, the brightest, the best looking in the room. She goes, you're already all those three. But where you can beat them is also by just being diligent and showing up consistently. So 
I just started doing that. And I always tell people, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. But once I learn how to do something, you better look out because I'll run circles around you. I'll work harder than anybody else in my industry. See, mom, he's talking really nice things about you. That's right. That's right, mama. Uh, the other one was, I would say that, you know, early on in my career, and I learned this at Demas's too, but you've got to have a good team. I know that sounds elementary, but taking it a step further, if you always invest in other people, you can never go wrong. So if you invest in your people, if you invest in your clients, you'll never go wrong. They will come back to you. You just have to trust the process. Yeah. Well, man, congratulations on all your success. It's really cool to know you and uh, as a friend and, and I'm looking forward to this weekend. We're going to be actually in uh, Huntington beach, California together at that board event. And, um, I'll get to see you this weekend. I bet you're not taking the crappy flight that I'm taking because I originally, I originally thought this in, in my mind that this was supposed to be in Vegas. So I bought the tickets to, to Vegas a long time ago. And then Nicole sent me a message and she goes, we'll see you in Huntington beach. I'm like, whoa, 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 where? And so I had to rebook my ticket and I got, I got, I think I leave at like five o'clock Friday morning, which is insane. It's uh, just a terrible, it's, it's a terrible flight. So we probably won't be on the same airplane, but, I, but congratulations on your success, man. And thank you for being part of the show. I want to tell everybody how to get it in touch with you. You can go to seancaplin.com and it's S H A W N just like my brother, my brother, Sean, he spells it the same way, Sean Kaplan. And that's K A P L A N seancaplin.com. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook at the Sean Kaplan and a big shout out to Sean in terms of follow him for his social media content, those short form videos, because he does a really good job. He posts, I don't know if you post every day, but it looks like it, like you're posting a lot, a lot of good stuff out there. And uh, do you have anything else, any other way that you want to invite people to reach out to you or get in touch with you or anything else you want to say before we finish up? You know, I want to take a vein from what you, you do with the forward mastermind community. You know, you put yourself around people that not, maybe not necessarily are in your industry. And that's what I admire about you. I host a call bi-weekly called Content Creator University. It's primarily realtors and lenders, but I teach content strategies free of charge. So if people would like to come to that, that's ccusocial.com, ccusocial.com. It's every other week and we'll send out the invitation to you. All right. So content creator university at ccusocial.com. And did you say that's free? It's free, man. There's no charge. I'm doing it. You know, it's just my way of trying to help other people make a little bit of a difference the way that Neil and the others have made a difference in our life. Well, it's just like what you said at the beginning, you want, instead of being an influencer, let's be value exchangers. So Pay I think that's forward. a good title for the show. I think it's a good title for the show. Well, Sean, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being on the root of all success. And I will see you this weekend. Thanks, Jason. Well, there you have it. Another very successful person about how he has created the life that he wants to live. Now, I didn't I didn't say entrepreneur like I normally do, because technically, if you just look at the definition, not an entrepreneur, but you heard what he said about himself. He said, listen, I'm in sales, but he's running a team. He's taking risks. He's innovating things. He's doing great things. So he is I would refer more to as an entrepreneur. So he's doing entrepreneurial things as a W2 employee inside the system, but he's playing at a super high level. You heard what he said his taxes were just last year that he's playing at a super high level and he's very successful at what he's doing. And, and you know what? I'm going to recall what he said about success. He said, success is sacrifice and commitment that turns into blessings. That's great. That's, that's one of the most unique definitions of success I've ever had on the show after recording now 154 episodes. So congratulations to Sean and what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, I want you to go out and file, follow him at the Sean Kaplan that we talked about and check out his ccusocial.com. 
for free social media content coaching. If you're in the mortgage business or real estate business, you need to check that out. Also, I want to make sure that you understand about my book, Exit Without Exiting, an international best-selling book here on how to exit your business without selling it and begin living the exit lifestyle much sooner than you ever thought possible. If you haven't checked this out, go to therealjasonduncan.com slash book, therealjasonduncan.com slash book and pick you up a copy. They're only $15.99 and for an extra five bucks, I'll sign it for you and we'll ship it right out to your house and you can start reading. And I know your mom is always going to like your book, right? Moms are always going to be moms. They're going to love the book. But here's something that just happened. This past weekend was Easter weekend. We were at my mom and dad's house having lunch. And my mom said, I just finished reading your book and I loved it. And of course, I appreciate the fact that my mom tells me this, but she went one step further that made me know that this was real. She said, you remember that story you told about John in the book? And, and, and frankly, I didn't <laughs> because John's not one of the major characters in my book. It was actually a story she told me that I was telling about one of my clients. And she goes, as I was reading that, and she's not an entrepreneur, by the way, she's not, my, my, my mom is not a, a business owner. And she says, I was reading that story. I had to stop reading my, I was tearing up because it touched me so much. Now, listen, I didn't write this book to make people cry. It's certainly not what it's about, but I do tell great stories in this book about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, what it's like to build a business, to grow a business, and then exit a business. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash book and check this out. You don't want to miss this. Exit without exiting. Tune in again next time when I talk with yet another very successful person about his or her journey to success. Until then, remember, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.